0: Hi everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson from Port Orleans Riverside at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida And you're listening to the Stories of the Magic Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more, right here on Stories of the Magic.
1: And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to Episode 87 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we welcome pianist and composer-arranger Tom Amin. Tom's renditions of some of your favorite songs from Disney theme parks and movies are interesting and beautiful, and it was a treat to get to talk to him. He clearly loves Disney and is a gifted musician, which I think made for a great conversation. In this episode, Tom talks about where his love for music came from, becoming more aware of and attuned to the music in Walt Disney World, learning songs by ear early on, Candle on the Water and Someone's Waiting for You aren't on any of his Disney albums so far, and we talk a little bit about why. How much practice he puts in and what form it takes, both at the beginning and now. Learning the rules before you can break them. Some of the non-Disney CDs he's recorded. Most of his albums are original songs and compositions. How he got started doing arranging. Arranging for Jim Brickman. What he drew on to start working on his Disney cover songs. Whether creating the Disney songs was different than what he'd done before, or if it was a natural progression. What the process of arranging music is like for him. If there are any songs he's tried to arrange for an album that just didn't work like he wanted it to. Getting clearance to use the Disney music, and how he chose which songs were going to go on the Disney albums. Now a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, then it's time to turn the page and begin this story. And after this part of the interview, stay tuned for a bit of Tom's music.
0: Have you ever wanted to share something with someone just because?
2: Well, we do a lot. So we started a podcast about, well, whatever we want. My name is Joyce.
0: And I'm her lovely husband, Al. Uh, Well, you know what I mean. Hey, it's me. Listen, I'm hijacking the Just Because podcast to start a new series all about the wonderful world of voice acting. Each episode, I'll have a professional voice actor on and ask them some serious, hard-hitting questions to get to the bottom of this in a world. You know, world. If you've ever wanted to know about the inner workings of this magical and mystical business, tune in to... Just because inside the voiceover studio. Tune in at justbecausepodcast.com and on iTunes. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic.
1: As you may have noticed if you've listened to Stories of the Magic in the past, I place a high value on music, and I love talking to musicians, vocal and non-vocal instruments. This week's guest certainly fits that bill, and I've been loving his music for a couple of years now. Tom Amin has been playing music since age nine, and by 1998, he recorded his first album, Treasure the Gift, His musical experiences have varied and are fascinating, including being J.J. Abrams' private pianist and performing alongside Grammy-nominated artist Jim Brickman, whose music I also love, on tour, as well as producing and arranging for him. Tom most recently released his third Disney album last year, after the first two charted on the Billboard Top 10. His unique arrangements and beautiful renditions of some of your favorite Disney songs are an absolute delight to listen to. All three albums are available on iTunes, Amazon, and CD Baby. His next album is already in the works and promises to be the biggest yet. If you're a fan of Disney music, especially new arrangements of beloved songs, you need to get to know Tom and his music. So, Tom, welcome to Stories of the Magic.
2: Thank you so much, Randy. That was an awesome introduction.
1: Thank you for having me. It was great my pleasure i'm happy to have you thank you so it's one thing to learn to play music and lots of kids do that probably sadly fewer now than there used to be but learning to play music is one thing but to mm-hmm. compose and arrange it is an entirely different level so where did your love for music come from you know i started i remember as a kid
2: liking music but it wasn't anything particularly um I don't remember anything noticeable about it it, until I was about nine years old when I started to really pay attention to music. I just remember it kind of speaking to me in a way that I hadn't, you know, I hadn't noticed before, but I started on guitar. So I started to take some guitar lessons and really liked playing the chords and like some of the arpeggios on the guitar and, and that kind of stuff. It was really cool to me. And then one day, uh, I think we were on a family vacation and we all went to see the Superman movie. Superman two was the movie, the Christopher Reeve movie from, and I don't remember the year that was out. Like I want to say 80, 81 maybe, but I'm not sure. could have been 79. I'm not sure. But anyway, but I fell in love with that theme. I remember that was the first, time had ever really listened to a theme and was blown away by it. It was of course, John Williams, you know, wrote the Superman theme I was blown away and I loved it. And at the time, my mom, my parents had bought a piano for my younger sister who was taking piano lessons. Uh, so we had had a piano in the house for about two years, but I never touched it. And then after that movie, I came home and started sounding out the Superman theme on the piano. And I, absolutely fell in love with it and for some reason I just really connected with the piano in a way that I didn't connect with the guitar and I love guitar I mean there it's a it's a great instrument but there was something about the piano that just spoke Mm -hmm. to me and then playing this John Williams theme was absolutely I just loved it so that's what really got me started my love of music really started with John Williams and that uh Superman theme and then of course after that, about a year later is when we started going down to Walt Disney World. And my parents would take us every year because it was we we grew up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. So, of course, we all went south, you know, in the middle of the winter to take vacations or, you know, when it's really cold up, up north. We're like, oh, I want to get away for the, you know, for the holidays or get away in the middle of winter. Sure. Yeah. It's it's the thing to do. And so we'd go down to Walt Disney World, and then and then now that I, I was starting to recognize music as I was listening to it, I was just being more attuned to it. Then we get down to Walt Disney World, and my first day at Epcot Center was like, oh my gosh. Like, you know, I was hearing all those themes. Now, this was the early 80s, so, you know, we were hearing all those original Epcot songs like, you know, Veggie Fruit Fruit, the Kitchen Cabaret stuff, Horizons, uh, um, the Hall of... Presidents in Magic Kingdom, all these, diff, like, uh, you know, Pirate's Life for Me from Pirates, all these original songs from uh, Disney, from Magic Kingdom and Epcot. And I fell in love with them. I just, I absolutely loved it. And so some of the few, first music I ever learned was, besides the John Williams stuff, was Disney music. Some of the first stuff I ever learned in lessons was Disney stuff. So it's kind of how it all got started.
1: Nice. So really, your love for music and your love for Disney were really merging from the, almost the very beginning.
2: It, it really was, because what happened was I, I started to sound out songs by ear on the piano, and it was pretty good, I guess. It was hard for me to remember because it was so long ago. But my parents said, you know, you were just went home and started playing music on the piano. They couldn't believe that was happening. And they said, do you want to take lessons? And I said, yeah, I'll try them. So they started me like in a class lessons uh, just to see, they didn't want to waste a lot of money if I only wanted to play for, you know, a couple of months and then I quit or whatever. So they put me in these class lessons, but the, all the music in the class was Disney music. So it was, we were learning like supercalifragilistic and songs from Pete's Dragon, because remember this was like 1980 or, you know, something. So these were the big Disney hits, current hits in the seventies. Pete's Dragon was a huge movie for us and the theme from Freaky Friday, you know, from 1977. And those were the kind of songs, those were the, the first songs I learned on the piano in actual lessons. So it was kind of funny that the it just happened to be that this 10-week class, you know, for kids was uh, all Disney music. And that's that's when I really started to learn a lot more about Disney. Like I learned, like the califragilistic. They had me learn uh candle on the water from peach dragon i was learning it's a small world and things like that and it was just it was really really cool
1: Mm-hmm. yeah candle on the water is actually one of my wife's favorite songs oh,
2: it's beautiful i randy i could tell you, if i had a dime for every time i played that song in my life
1: i mean i'd be rich. <laughs> it's just a
2: great great song just a wonderful song
1: yeah now if i'm not mistaken it's not on any of your three disney albums so far right It is not.
2: And I thought of releasing it as uh, a single, maybe at some point, maybe just doing a piano version of it and releasing it. uh, Just a great, great song. I love that song is great. And I don't know if you well, you'll probably know this because we're both Disney fanatics, but the (laughs) song from the Rescuers from the 70s, um, Someone's Waiting for You.
0: Yes. Oh, it's a great,
2: great song. So that one I'd like to do at some point as well.
1: Yeah, I would love to hear those. Well thank you. Yeah. I hear so many people that say, Oh, I would love to be able to, you know, play Disney music on the piano or guitar or, or whatever but then they sit down and they try and think, Wow, this is really hard and they stop. So how what kind of practice did you have to put in and and do you still do? I imagine you still practice quite a lot to be able to do this. So is it you know a certain amount of time each day or kind of how do you do your practicing and your your rehearsing for these things
2: you know when i was younger it was practicing all the time because you have to kind of hone in on your craft you know what i mean and get your fingering correct get the you have to build muscles in your fingers to play piano and and you have to learn technique that helps your your wrists and your arms so that you don't develop carpal tunnel i had a really great teacher Uh, from the Cleveland Institute of Music that was really good with me. And and I, I was trained classically. So he was really trying to instill all of these really great techniques so I could play for a long time. And as I got older, because I can play a lot of stuff by ear, I would just pick up things as I heard them and would practice them a few times in the piano. And then I'd pretty much have it down. So which was really great. It's a really great gift to have because like when I go to play out at places that they want me to do cover music, I can play three or four hours of cover music with no music and just give them, you know, song after song because I played all these songs for so long. With the Disney stuff, like as I got older now with the Disney, like as I as I went to do these albums, of course I had to practice them because like I had never really played, for example, I'm trying to think of one that I really didn't know at the time, like America Golden Dreams. You know, like I'd never really played through that before and it was such a beautiful song and I just wanted to make sure I did it justice. Even though I was putting my spin on it, I wanted to kind of make sure it was like a good arrangement. So of course I would practice those every day. I would practice and then I would practice up to the time or date I would start recording because I wanted to make sure I really knew all this stuff. Now, some songs, like it's a small world. I think I did that on the last album. I didn't need to practice because I know it so well. And It's such, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's either you hate it or you hate the song, you love it, but I wanted to do a version that was kind of like um, smooth and slow and reflective. So it wasn't like grating on people's nerves, you know, like sometimes right. now the, the, the real song doesn't bother me. See, I'm one of those people where I don't. I like the song, so it doesn't really bother me. But I know a lot of people don't like it, but uh, I love it. So I want to do that arrangement. Now that I knew, but I just had to work out kind of the arrangements, you know, how I wanted it to sound, what chord right. I wanted to do with it, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I always practice, even to this day, if there's something I don't know, you have to sit down, make sure you know it sounded out, make sure you have the rhythms right. Even if you're doing an arrangement, it's kind of like that old saying, Uh, They say this in all different kinds of fields, but you have to know the rules first before you can break them, kind of thing. So it's always, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's that's kind of true. Like I, it's like good to know all these music rules and the rule, like, and even the way the original song was, and because it's kind of like pays tribute to it, you know, the way the original um, songwriter wanted it. But then it's fun to put your own spin on it and, and do give your own little flavor. So you're kind of like breaking the rules of the original song, As You Make New Arrangement. I mean, I kind of look at it like that. I don't know if it makes sense, but...
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get to the Disney music that you've recorded, you just talked a little bit about it, but before we get to the CDs themselves and those albums that you've done, you recorded some other CDs as well, right? Yes. I actually, when I'm not doing Disney music or some other
2: cover stuff, I actually write all my own music. So most of my albums are original music, original songs, original compositions, and things like that. So I've done a bunch of other albums. Uh, a lot of them, they're mostly easy listening. Some are relaxation uh, CDs, like they'll have nice piano parts, but with uh, ocean waves in the background. Or I did a really unique, cool album uh, called Songbird Suite, which was my piano music to the background of like birds chirping. And so the guy is like a professional bird recorder and he goes around and records all these different kinds of birds and their styles of, of chirping. And then they took that track, then they took my music tracks and put that on top of it. So it's kind of nice real nice reflective, you know, easy listening kind of piano music that mostly people would relax with at night, you know, after a long day of work or whatever. Uh, but so I have done a bunch of, of albums that are my own original I did one lullaby album for Fisher-Price, actually, which they had me do six lullaby songs and then six original. So I did six covers and then I wrote six lullabies. But the first song on that album was Under the Sea, and they wanted me to do a lullaby version of it. So it's really cool how it turned out. It's really slow. And it's really reflective, but it's great for like babies because like in, in little kids that parents want to put to sleep because it's just really soothing and relaxing and it's got ocean sounds in the background and it's really cool. So I've done, yeah, I've done a lot of albums of original music and uh, the Disney stuff is, is um, stuff of cover music that I've done. But yeah, my other stuff is, is basically uh, original stuff, original music.
1: I'm gonna have to get a hold of that lullaby album for my <laughs> daughter.
2: <laughs> it's called uh, "Twinkle Twinkle Little Starfish." It's a really cute album. It's got a cute cover on it, uh, and I think it's they've got it everywhere, like online, like at Amazon and
1: iTunes and all that stuff. But it's a, it was a fun album to do. It was really fun. Very cool. Uh, so, did you develop some of these uh, arranging skills? You know, starting from doing your own music, and like I mentioned in the intro, that you had done some uh playing with as well as producing and arranging for jim brickman uh, which i think is very cool so did those skills on top of the just the playing ability is that kind of uh what you drew on to start working on these disney songs i did because when i'm doing
2: original music and um any musician will tell you this as you're writing your own music, you're also arranging it, you know, because you want to mm-hmm. know, how, you know, which chords go where, what melodies go what, if you're going to put other instruments, what are they going to do and what are they going to sound like and all that kind of stuff. And so I had a good sense of arranging starting with that. But as I got into my early 20s to, to uh, supplement my, my income, I uh, directed and uh, arranged for musical theater. So for like local community places that I that I lived at the, at the time in Ohio. So what I had to do was actually take the score and arrange it onto keyboard, so that it sounded like we had a full orchestra there, you know, even though we really didn't. It was all uh-huh. keyboard stuff. I did a bunch of arranging like that, which really helped me hone my craft because it's just nothing's like just being thrown into the fire, you know. And just saying, okay, arrange this and see what happens. And then with Jim, it was really cool with Jim Brickman because I worked for him and with him for a very long time. And I did, uh, sometimes I would do some of his arrangements on his albums. Uh, I can't tell you which one specifically. I don't remember, and I'm so sorry because I've done a lot of them. But people will see the name, like when you're on the Jim Brickman albums, it'll say arranged by Tom Mean and stuff. And I did some work on his Christmas albums and did some work on one of his singles and things like that. But that was a great arranging uh, lesson too as well because you know Jim's pretty well known in in the piano circuit he's really mm-hmm. known really established so it was really cool to get to to do that and then I did arrange some jingles for a time I did some jingle arranging for people which kind of helped as well because that's a whole different ball of wax you know arranging for yeah. jingles it's so different and everything has to
1: be catchy and you're trying to sell a product and all that kind of stuff. So I remember seeing Jim in concert and he talked about that. He used to do a lot of that too.
2: Yes. Um, he started as doing jingles. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He <laughs> said, you know, if I'm playing a song tonight and you suddenly feel the urge to go out and buy a loaf of bread or a soft drink or something, I apologize. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's so
2: awesome. It's so awesome. Yeah. Some of the arranging, uh, the jingle stuff I, I got through Jim he passed along some stuff to me, but I did, uh, I remember I did some Christmas jingles for Delilah, the Delilah after dark. I did some holiday jingles for her. Uh, I did a jingle for Mr. Hero sandwich, which was it's like kind of a, a regional, regional, uh, burger joint in Ohio and Cleveland and stuff. It's called Mr. Hero. So I did something for them. It was, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, I really enjoyed it. So, but all of that stuff really helped me so that when it came time you know, when I wanted to arrange more serious stuff or my own music or, or the Disney stuff, it just gave me a lot of experience to draw on and just basic help with, you know, working the computer and the keyboard and the pro tools and getting everything recorded and how's that work? You know, it was
1: really helped me when I when it came time to to do the Disney stuff. Mm-hmm. So was creating the Disney songs different than what you'd done before, or was it just kind of a natural progression as you worked through these other things? I think it was a natural progression because
2: I'd always wanted to record some of the Disney stuff, and I always had a really soft spot in my heart for the Disney theme park music. I loved it, and I've always loved it. Even to this day, I still listen to—I remember the first time I saw Illuminations— was in 2000 I think it was 2000 or 2001 I went down there with some friends we we all bought that album and I listened to it like daily and I still put it on because I have it on my phone now so Mm -hmm. so I'm like oh I want to hear that music as I'm driving or whatever so I put it on so I actually I listen to the theme park albums all the time I love them so it was kind of natural just organic for me to to I wanted to put my own spin on it so the arrangements were kind of yeah, they were probably organically created. Like I just knew what I wanted to do, I knew kind of the style I wanted to to put on it, and just know that no one had ever done this before. Like no one had ever taken wanted to do solo piano arrangements of of the theme park rides because they've all been recorded dozens of different times in different styles. And I've heard a lot of them and a lot of them are so cool. I mean, I love them, but I've, but no one's ever done just kind of like a piano arrangement of them. So that's what I wanted to try and, and see what people thought of it.
1: Okay. That leads pretty naturally into what I was thinking of thinking about next because, you know, I hear a song one way I, I hear it the way it's written or, you know, the way it's being performed and, I don't really think of it in a different style or a different arrangement because my brain just doesn't work like that. I've, I'm a musician, but I pretty much play okay. things the way that they want to be done. I do drums okay. and percussion. Got it. So, you know, a lot of jazz stuff, but that means that... I'm not necessarily thinking about different arrangements. I'm just thinking about how I fit into the current arrangement. So it's a very sure. different kind of mindset. Uh, and I asked Laura Dickinson about this a couple episodes ago. She just recently put out an album, uh, as a tribute CD to uh, Frank Sinatra. Nice. And so she did some that was straight by the book arrangements and some that she really – Uh, changed up a bit and so I'd like to get your take on this question that I asked her as well what is the process of arranging music like like how does that work kind of in your head and how how does how do you hear a song one way like the the someone that comes to mind immediately is Fantasmic because that's a very big upbeat exciting song yes and you take that and think you know I can do more of a uh, reflective solo piano arrangement how does it you, how do you go from the one to the other i think part of it is just what your vision is in your head
2: you know like i had a vision for that song because the theme is so brilliant and it's so like you said it's so majestic and so big and so strong and powerful but i thought how would that theme sound like if we just toned it down you know what i mean stripped everything away slowed it down to a reflective tempo and then played the 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 melody That way, how would that sound? That's what I started to do with it. And so as I started to play, you know, slowly and slowly and just put the chords to it, I thought, oh, this kind of works. For me, it worked anyway. I'm like, this sounds really kind of good. So that's, and then that's, once you start in that arrangement, if you get the feel and the vibe for it, you kind of just go with it and see what happens. In order to arrange, like that's how I do it. I just take the melody and say, okay, let's slow this down a little bit and see what happens. You know, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't sound good. Sometimes it's like, mm, no, maybe I need to put the tempo up a little bit. You know, let's make it medium speed or whatever. But I don't know, it's just kind of like organic for me. I just like take a melody and let's slow it down. You know, let's see what happens. Let's put some maybe, I don't know, phantasmic has it, but certain core, you know, certain songs. Let's try different chord progressions on it. Hmm. And see how that changes the melody, because you always switch up the chords is always a really fun way to
1: to change the sound of something right so instead of like a one four five progression, you try like a one five four for a part of it or something like that. yeah, exactly or you put like if you know if
2: the chord calls for a five major, try a five minor, you know what I mean try going down to a like a three instead of a five you know see what that does and it's all it's like just playing around with it you know to see what you think sounds good. It was just great to do that, I mean, especially with it's a small world because, like I said, I put a really cool intro on it, like a really fun, soft intro, and then I just wanted that melody to kind of flow, you know, not in a way that like when you think of it's a small world, you think of you know the real fast version that's really um what's the word I'm like like staccato almost my like that that it's really in your face and it's really blah blah blah. But I wanted to take that melody and slow it down and and like take the edges off of it, like smooth it out. Mm -hmm. So that's I'm like, okay, let's slow this one down, which I guess that's originally how the song was was written to be the show to be to be slow. Um, Mm -hmm. And you could kind of tell when I was playing it. So I'm like, yeah, I could see where this was written, you know, slow, but no one ever thinks of it because we all know it the one way. But it's just stuff like that. Slow down the melody, you know, try it, try different chord progressions. You know, you could change the melodies a little bit if you want. You're, you know, it's, it's okay to do that. You're allowed to mm-hmm. within reason. Let's um, try to change up the melody a little bit. And then you just kind of work with it to come up with something that you think might sound good to yourself and to other people.
1: Okay. Is there any that you've tried to do that so far you just haven't been able to get it to work the way you want it to? I've
2: done, you know, for the most part, I've been pretty pleased with everything I've done. All the tracks that I started to do, you know, there was one song, oh my gosh, I'm not going to remember. I remember there was one parade music I wanted to try. And I remember thinking, no, this just doesn't sound right at the moment, but I can't remember what it was. I want to say, oh my gosh, Randy, it'll come to me in the interview. I'll have to, I'll have to come back to that. But other than that, no worries. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm getting older, and the brain's kind of <laughs> getting a little old. But um, yeah, everything else though, I've really been pleased with. Especially like you know, it's a small world. I've done. I love the Pirates ride. Pir- Pirates of the Caribbean turned out really well. And also on a whim, like this might be something on a whim. I decided just to try the Zorro theme because my dad loves Zorro. And he now, like, has all my niece and nephews addicted to Zorro, the original Disney, you know, TV show. And they actually named their dog Tornado because they love Zoro so much. Yeah. So I was like, let's try to do this. Like, I I had no idea. Like, okay, you know, what's this going to sound like? And it's Zorro, and it's supposed to be swashbuckly and all kinds of fun. But I tell you, I slowed it down a little bit, and I, I thought it sounded really good. I really liked it. Good. So sometimes you just take a, you know what I mean? You just got to kind of take a, take
1: a risk and see what happens. Right. And you're not out anything for trying.
2: Exactly. Right. And all the people can, you know, the most the people can ever say is like, I don't like it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that. I just don't like that arrangement. And that happens. Not everyone's going to like
1: everything, you know? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Now now to be able to uh, release these albums, I I'm going to assume that you had to get clearance to use the music. Yes, I did. I went to Disney and uh, I emailed I emailed, I
2: think, a general box and then they put me through to the uh, licensing department. So I have a contact there that I that I contact every time I I do this. So uh, what they do is they send you a form to fill out and uh, you you get license requests but this is where the tedious part of music comes in <laughs> that that'll that it's just such a pain because what you have to do then is go through every song you're going to play and you got to get the publishing for it so you have to get the writers what you know what label owns it what year it was made all that kind of stuff and so then i said sub- why well, submit the songs to disney and then sometimes they didn't even know they said well, like i came back with um so one of the theme park songs, but they said, well, we've got 10 different licenses on it. Which one is it? And I was like, "Oh, oh geez. Gosh. I was like, let me go back. I'm going to have to, then I was like lucky enough to find it on a CD that I had. I said, okay, this is from the 1980 compilation, the music of Walt Disney world, SKU number, blah, blah, blah. And they were able to find it. But It's, <laughs> it's hard to sometimes find it's like, okay. And then some of the music, like, as I'm sure, you know, the music to, uh, is it Snow White and Bambi? There's some of the early stuff Disney does not own. Yeah, it's owned by the board company. So when I did When You Wish Upon a Star, you know I actually had to go to them to get permission and things like that. But yeah, you do you write to them, you get permission, uh, they give you a set of rules. You know, you're not allowed to use any likeness of Disney. You cannot use the font. You cannot use any theme park like pictures only because it's not an album they're sanctioning. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing this on my own. So I, mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to use any of their proprietary property, which is fine. Uh, but that's all you do. And then they say, okay, and you have to pay for like 250 downloads up front. And then, and then as, as you download more, then you owe them royalties you know, per song. But you just pay that up front, and you're good to go. So, okay. yeah, it's not that hard. It's just it's kind of a pain to have to find all the
1: technical publishing information. But other than, other than that, it's not too bad. Has it gotten any easier as you've gone from one album to the next?
2: It has, because now that I have this regular contact, I can say, look, I'm doing a new album. These are the new songs I need. Let me know what you don't have. Because <laughs> then I'll tell him, let me know <laughs> what you can't find. I'll find it and get it back to you. And he's like, OK. You know, the the Zorro song, he could not find the publishing on it when I it, when it was first Going to get released, but he said, I'm not worried about it. He's like, go ahead and release it and we'll deal with the publishing after. So once you kind of have a rapport with someone there, it's okay, you know, and you know each other. And what's in-I mean, I live, which is great, I live five minutes from from uh Disney Studios. I'm right down the street because I live right by Burbank. So I okay. can actually go there if I want and just talk to them. I've been to the the campus before and had a couple of tours and stuff. So it does get a little easier because I guess with any business or whatever, once you start to get to know someone, it's a little bit more personable, I would say, mm-hmm. and things like that. And I, and I'm really small potatoes to them. So, you know, they don't like, for example, like with that Zorro thing, he's like, yeah, go ahead and just release the album. We'll deal with it later. Because uh, as you know, you know, Disney's they deal with what multi-million and billion dollar stuff every day. you know. <laughs> so I'm just, I feel like the little guy right now. So they don't like it minded as much if they let things slide for a little bit. But of course, I mean, we'll make it, everything will be legal, but you know, he's, yes, go ahead and release the Zorro thing. We'll deal with the publishing after. So, I mean, that, that kind of stuff is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now for these albums, for these three Disney albums, how did you choose which songs were going to go on them? most of the
2: songs are the ones that I love, absolutely love. Like you'll notice there is a heavy focus on Epcot music in a lot of the albums because Mm -hmm. I love Epcot. Randy Epcot is my favorite park. It's just my favorite, favorite park. And I've always loved all the music from it. So a lot of the songs I chose were just songs that I loved and songs from my childhood that had some memories for me, especially like kitchen cabaret, you know, has a really like fond memory for me of going to watch that with my parents and then years later we went back with some friends and sitting in the same theater watching it nostalgically you know hearing all that music so like that stuff i loved carousel of progress as a kid for magic kingdom we i have so many memories of my parents and uh, my sisters and i just sitting through that and being in awe you know, the animatronics and the stories and going through the different years of, of the development of technology and stuff. It was just, it, we were enamored with that as a kid. So like those kind of songs bring back a lot of memories for me, puts me like in a happy place. So um, <laughs> songs are just the songs that I loved. And, and then I, uh, like some of the movies that I loved on the last album, I did like the freaky Friday theme song. Cause we loved that when we were kids. Um, like the Snow White stuff, I love that music, so I put a couple of that stuff in, and I love the, um, like, uh, I ended this album with So This Is Love, which I've always loved that that short little ballad, that Disney ballad, so I put that in. Uh, so it's a mixture of all that kind of stuff for me. I, I, I kind of just wanted it to be just a nice Disney experience to anyone that was listening to say, oh, I remember that song. Like the Horizon song, oh, I remember that song, and kind of bring, bring back some nostalgia. To it so that's how i picked them all just the stuff that i loved
1: okay that's a great way to do it i mean if you're going to make an album you might as well make the one that you really want to listen to
2: exactly exactly although i did pick the the Chante, and i cannot say this to say my Shante Chante Chante noel I, I did that on the that's a it's from a parade that's being just...
1: That brings us to the end of this week's show. A special thank you to Tom Amin for being my guest and to you for listening. I'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible is providing a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Choose from titles like my book, Faith and the Magic Kingdom. You can pick that one or any of the well over 150,000 audiobooks as your free trial, and it's yours to keep whether you choose to continue your membership or not. To download your free audiobook today, go to storiesofthemagic.com slash audible. Again, that's storiesofthemagic.com slash audible for your free audiobook. If you're currently doing something because of your love for Disney... You've written a book, created a website, you're blogging, writing or performing music like Tom does, art, whatever it may be, and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, I want to hear from you. I also want to talk to and hear from people who've worked for Disney. And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience and had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or had any special Disney experience you want to share, or to give a compliment or a thank you for anything Disney's done, I'd love to hear from you, too. Maybe you really love the Disney music and you want to call in and say something about a special memory that that has. For any of these, email me at podcast at com or call the listener feedback line at 734- 2-3 story and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. It's been a little while since I've had an iTunes review and I'd really appreciate getting one or two of those this week. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode as well. For example, in this episode, you have links to be able to download uh, Tom's music from iTunes, Amazon, wherever else you might be able to get it. CD Baby, all of that. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash magic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one on Google+, Plus if you happen to have that. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic, too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories. And this tale continues next time. You've
0: been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.